Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. On this episode of Brilliant Thoughts, prepare yourself for some powerful and thought-provoking questions that this gentleman brought to us, considered by many as a leading authority on leadership and influence. Rene Rodriguez, yes, that's his name, is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, leadership advisor, and transformational speaker coach. Rene applies the latest neuroscience research to create lasting results in the areas of leadership, sales, and everyday life. I'm really excited about this one. I took a lot of notes and I actually use some of the things that I learned in this episode in a few sessions I've already done live. And let me tell you, I love it. I, I loved his book. One of my favorite episodes. Get ready. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success magazine podcast. I'm Tristan and I've got Renee Rodriguez. What's up, man? Good to see you, man. It's finally, finally a good to be here. It's good to finally be here, actually. Yeah, it, it took a while, but I was excited to interview you, especially after reading your book. I appreciate you reading that, man. Well, I mean, your your reputation follows you, man. So you've uh, been part of your group for a long time, and you've created quite the movement, that's for sure. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. And for those of you wondering what the book is, it's Amplify Your Influence, uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller. Dude, that happened fast. Yeah, surprising. It was pleasantly surprising. It was... Uh... It's good to see that people wanted wanted that information. That's for sure. Well, for those people that the people that know you, it's not a surprise, man. You you're a brilliant person, and you have a strong message that needs to be heard. So I'm excited for this one. The book is split into three sections: concept, formula, and skills. I want to start in order: concept, but I want to talk about <clears throat> the hidden drivers of influence because I don't think a lot of people know that there are these hidden drivers and you identify them. Where, where do we start there? So here's here's the funny thing is I've been studying this for 28 plus years and looking at the simple question of what, how do I apply this? Because I think the, 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 the love for the research and the love for the brain is great and there's some really smart researchers out there and I wasn't the smart researcher. I was the guy that asked all the questions but could be smart enough to understand the research, but it didn't drive my passion. So I figured, you know what, let me stick to what I'm good at here and be the annoying guy that asks questions like, okay, how do I apply this? Like, what does this mean? <laughs> and you know, it's great, you wrote this article, you wrote this journal, and you, you've got this thing published, but how am I gonna use this to help me sell? See, I, I was selling cookware door to door in college, and so I was always looking, how, how does this help my voice inflection matters? Okay, why? Okay, so my body posture matters, why? And, or if I, if I stand this way or I breathe this way, it, it does this for testosterone, okay, what does that do in a sales pitch? And what does that do in a leadership conversation? What does it do in my motivation to hit a goal and to get to the gym? And I was just driven by those questions and the more I learned and the more that I dove into it, the more you realize that the things that motivate us and the things that drive our influence are unconscious to us. And that scared me and excited me. Scared me because I thought, you know, you think you're in control of everything that's happening and you think that you're consciously making these decisions and then you realize there's all of these other factors that play into it, the, the hidden drivers. 
And then what excited me was that you could actually influence and be part of the hidden driver for others. And so if there's hidden drivers that are driving my influence or things that I choose to do, what if I became more aware of them? Number one, I could be more self-aware, which is the chapter one, I think. And that to, to really see and know myself, where am I weak, right? Where am I strong? Where, where am I good? Where, where do I tend to fall? The, all the things really knowing yourself. And then saying, okay, so if I know that, what are the areas of which the levers that I could press on to help influence other people? And obviously, there's, you know, we get into that, it's, you know, for influence for what? Is it manipulation or things like, we can talk about manipulation versus influence, you know, anytime you want. But that's what excited me was that I could also influence other people by understanding some of those hidden drivers. I like that. And what are some of those hidden drivers if we dive into it? Because like you said, this can be used as manipulation, but it can mm -hmm. also be used to empower people and help them grow. Absolutely. And so the, the hidden drivers are, so look at a formula, right? Results. We always look at the results that we get. And if you run a business, you're looking at profitability, you're looking at revenue, you're looking at costs, you're looking at, you know, whatever metrics you decide are the results you're going after. And in life, we look at things like our financial bank account. We look at our weight, you know, how well our clothes fit, our, our relationships, our you know, spiritual life, our emotional well-being. There's so many different areas, you know, our work, our career. Those are all measures of results. And yeah. the simple age-old formula is that results come from the behaviors we engage in. Every behavior has a, a, an outcome to it. And if you're in strategic planning, you look at, okay, what are the financial or the results that we like Right, and then we measure. Okay, so what behaviors that were good drove those good results? Mm -hmm. The tougher part is, is when you look at the results that we didn't like, and we go, okay, so what are the behaviors that drove those financial results we didn't like? And it takes an honest look in the mirror to say, how well did I do this, and what were the things that I did to contribute? So you have to take ownership over that. But the hidden driver is the part that's fascinating because most people look at we know behavior drives results, and so we want to get new results. What do we try to do? change behavior, which is the biggest mistake. Because when we, how do we typically respond to behavior change? Acceptance, acceptance or resistance? Resistance. Resistance. And so that, 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 that equation, as much as we wish it was change behavior equal different results, we get change behavior trigger resistance. And so my study has been, why do we resist the things that we try to change because all the changes we're trying to make are usually to make us live longer, better, happier lives. If I'm going to change my diet, that's going to help me live longer. And that's the number one job of the brain is to help me live longer. And so if I try to do that, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't the brain be like, yeah, man, let's do it. Why would the brain say, no, let's not. And so we need to understand that. So my study was always wondering, why would it resist the thing that makes most logical sense to survive more? And then we realized that let's stop trying to change behavior. And let's look at the hidden driver. The hidden driver is what drove our behavior in the first place. Why did I choose to behave that way? Because there's two people. One, one person, when they're stressed, eats. The other person, when they're stressed, doesn't eat. Yeah, I've met them both. I'm like, I was the stress eater, right? You know, you get sad and lonely, and there's nothing better than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a, and a glass of milk. Dude. And so solves true. everything. <laughs> it's still true, by the way. It's still true, right? <laughs> you know, and it's just amazing. And, and it just goes down and just works great. And so why is it? I know some people, they just say, oh, I just haven't eaten in days. I'm so stressed. I'm like, what? I need that problem, you know? And so, but why, why did the behavior, there's two different triggers to it. 
And what, what we realize is what drives our behaviors are our beliefs. And so then if we were sort of pinch and zoom in and expand in on that concept of beliefs, there's a whole world of study that the, the foundation of this book is around, is what I believe drives my behavior. For me, I grew up, you know, didn't know my father, my mother traveled all the time, raised by a Cuban family that loved me by feeding me. So I believed food equaled love. And stress, you have a breakup, you do something, you know, you, you don't close a deal or whatever, or you, you celebrate, right? Something great happens, you close a big deal, a big event is over and you go, you go, let's go celebrate and love on each other. How? Let's eat. And so I could eat on both sides, happy or sad. It was just, it was just communion. It was, it was community. It was love. It, it was, was all around. It was everything, right? And so if, if I, if that's, that's what drove me, then that's why I behave that way. And so you look at saying, okay, what are the, the, the biggest pieces are? You say, okay, here are the results I don't like or the results I like. Here are the behaviors that drove to the results I like. Let's keep doing those. Okay, so then here are the results I didn't like and here are the behaviors that led to the results I didn't like. Let's change those. But how? The bigger question is, for me to have acted that way, what must I have believed? And that is such a freaking hard question to answer honestly around the ones that we don't like. You look at a company that says, you know, that we're, our cash position is poor. Behaviors was, behavior was we uh, spent too much money, right? We, we would buy things without looking at our cash position. And the underlying belief was, if they're honest, that money grows on trees. Our clients will always pay us on time. Well, market shifts, let's look at the behaviors in real estate, right? So market shifts and I don't have enough leads. Here's a result. My leads are down. Behavior was I didn't prospect as much. Simple. Prospecting leads to leads. It's law. I prospect, I generate leads. How well you prospect is going to be determined by, you know, things that you do and you can increase the conversion of those leads, mm -hmm. but prospecting leads to leads. So if I don't have leads, that means I didn't prospect. For me not to prospect, what must I have believed? Probably believe that this market won't fall down. Leads will continually come in without me having to prospect. Or maybe I believe that prospecting is for sales and sales is bad. I was told that salespeople are bad. Selling is bad. I'm a consultant. I'm a real, I'm a real estate homeowner consultant. Change my name of what I actually do. Well, okay, when the market changes and we actually got to go sell something <laughs> and you fundamentally believe that what you have to do is a bad thing, you aren't going to do it. Not because you're a bad person, but because you're going against your own values. We call it principles-based exoneration. You're going to exonerate yourself from this activity based on certain principles. It's not that you're lazy. And so what we help people do is to say, okay, well, let's reevaluate your belief on this. And I say, okay, what if, what if I were to walk up to you and I say, you know what, Tristan, <clears throat> I, I just took this one class. I'm new at this, but it looks like you have this one kind of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I have this test that I can sell you that'll tell you for sure if you have it or not. It's only 15 grand. <laughs> I took one class. I think you might have cancer. Let's do a test for 15 grand. What would you honestly tell me? Dude, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy, right? I, I, right. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I know it's expensive. <laughs> Six months down the road, you start realizing you might have it. Doctor says, I think you have this type of cancer. And you come back to me, Renee, can we do that test? And I'm like, you know, 
sorry, um, we would have had to do it six months ago prior to this progressing so far. Mm -hmm. So it's too late. How are you feeling towards me? I had a solution. I'm feeling, I'm feeling angry. Yeah. I had a solution and I didn't sell you on it. And selling means I didn't communicate its value. That's all that means. And allow you to make a decision based on the value I communicated. People think of selling is manipulation and forcing people or being annoying. I don't like those either. That's against my value system. Mm -hmm. Selling to me is being the best communicator of a value that I believe in. And if I believe that I could cure the cancer, then I better be the best damn communicator of that cancer prevention or cancer cure there is on this planet. Or why was I given the gift of knowing about it? Mm -hmm. Same is true in real estate. How are people going to feel in five, 10 years that they didn't buy today? And all the real estate agents that are watching this saying they could have sold a little harder, get them in a house that was this inexpensive, but they were scared off by a short-term thing called interest rates. And yeah. now they're trying to buy a house and it's later on and they missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars on equity and they're saying, well, I tried to tell you back then, well, what do you mean? You sent me an email. Yeah. You didn't make a value proposition. You didn't communicate its long-term financial impact on me. You didn't care enough to be unreasonable. And this is that's the solution, by the way, caring enough to be unreasonable. And you sit down and you go, okay, well, if that's the case, and somebody says no, I said, well, here's the thing, John. In five or 10 years, we're going to have one or two conversations. And here's the reality and what I believe. Either you're going to say, Renee, thanks for pushing me to get into this. Because look at the equity and the wealth that I started building yep. and what you taught me. Or you're going to say, Renee, why didn't you push me hard enough? And John, I refuse to have a second conversation. I care too much. And so I'm at least going to tell you everything that I know as to why I believe this is the thing you should do. And you make your own choice. But I don't want to have that second conversation. And all I know right now is that everybody I know that already is successful is buying. And they say, well, really, real, well interest rates are high. Hey, I wish I would have bought Bitcoin when it was in pennies. I wish I would have bought Apple when it first started. I wish I would have bought Tesla when it first started, but I didn't. And it doesn't preclude me from investing in those and still gaining massive value. And so the days of 3% are gone. It's okay. We're at five. It used to be at 18. You want to wait till then? I don't think we're going back there, but here's the thing. There is value. And the rate that you have right now is something that you can get rid of anytime you want. As long as your credit's good, you can get rid of anytime you want. So let's use this rate right now to get you into the home. And I promise you, the people that we work with, if you're a loan officer, you say, hey, I get paid for this. Or if you're a real estate agent, don't worry, they get paid to tell us when it's lower. But let's get you started now and not miss out on something like this good. One thing that stood out, what you're saying, caring enough to be unreasonable. I've found that, that that also becomes a habit in the other way where mm. you're so used to just saying, hey, you know what? I, I sent them an email. I sent them a text. And they're not interested, right? It's interesting to look at how the beliefs we have, if we go along the lines of caring enough to be unreasonable, that that can actually create the habit consistently so that we can continue to grow. Because doing that, like you say, it makes you live in a world where you're uncomfortable all the time and it keeps pushing you, yeah. but you get into a habit of that. So that, that was such a great phrase, man. Um, I love that. So let, let me pivot a little bit because I love this, this set of beliefs here. And 
let's apply that to where we're at as a country. Mm. Because I feel like the set of beliefs that we have, we seem to be tackling the behavior, not yeah. the beliefs. And it's, it's super, after <clears throat> I'm talking to you now and I'm reading your book, I'm like, we're attacking the wrong things. How do we mm-hmm. tackle? How do we tackle the beliefs of a of a country that's that's where it's at right now? That's a great question. I mean, you look at it, it, we've always tackled the wrong thing. We've we've always been symptomatic. You know, the war on drugs was a symptomatic issue. You take drugs because you feel bad about yourself. Period. If you want to stop drug use, raise self esteem. I'd rather fight and push to raise self-esteem than to fight drugs. War, what is that? P- people feeling not safe. So how about make people feel safe? So there, there, there's that whole piece on you know where we're at right now in terms of the, the country, and it all comes down to this concept. Belief is also very, very closely aligned with this word narrative. And narrative is also very closely aligned with this word frame. And frames, narratives, beliefs, all construct our reality, what we call our social reality. Like, you know, I've got the, my desk is a physical reality of made of wood, molecules, things like that, all come together in a certain formula. But my social reality is how I interpret the physical and the auditory and what I hear. And the story that I put to it is the narrative. And the narrative creates the story of my life, which in essence is the reality and reality, it's, it's reality TV. My reality TV is a life that I'm living. It's a story. It's a narrative. And so, you know, there's certain narratives that we believe in that the government will determine my success. That might be one of them, right? Mm-hmm. That interest rates determine my success in my business. Home prices will determine my success or low prices or high prices, gas prices, which, I mean, come on. It's it's the only reason we're worried about gas prices is because somebody shines a light on it every day. Mm-hmm. You're looking at milk prices, like water prices. Water costs more than milk in a, in a, in a grocery store. That's ridiculous. But we don't. It doesn't. And, I, and it doesn't preclude the reality that it's stupid and ridiculous and expensive. But it doesn't own my mindset. It doesn't own my narrative. It doesn't own like how I view the world. Because when it, when it starts to own how I view the world, my behaviors follow. And that's the, that's where we start to follow. If I truly believe we're in a bad time right now, because I think we're in the greatest time ever. What are we going to go back 50, 60 years ago? Let's see what, let's go back to then. Some people couldn't vote, right? Racism was even worse. Like, I mean, let's go, let's literally go back to that. Now I'm not saying there aren't stupid people and some really serious things going on. Yes. But I also know right now, this is a time where I can flush those stupid people out and society will take care of them. I mean, it's embarrassing to be a dumbass in these days. Because <laughs> everybody truly, knows. Because everybody knows. You know, <laughs> it's like That's transparency funny. used to be a choice. It's not a choice anymore. If you have really silly, stupid beliefs, we're all going to find out about it. And you know, the, the thing about it, it's either I'm wrong or you're wrong, or maybe there's some truth in the middle. But society will figure that out in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you want to be dumb, okay, I dare you to be dumb because then you're going to be on camera. You know, so there's an accountability there, but the narrative, and let's talk about the narrative because, you know, we talk about what beliefs drive behavior and the frame is a big one. And so people ask me all the time, Renee, what do I think about the, the current state of the industry? And I said, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at this is what I believe. If, if right now 
it were to rain on all of us in this room, who's getting wet? The reality is everyone. But let's say two people pull out a raincoat, another person pulls out an umbrella. Same adversity for everybody. But the person got an umbrella is looking at the rain and the clouds and going, wow, this is beautiful. person with a raincoat and, and the rain boots is jumping in the water. They're splashing each other. No one's getting wet, but they're enjoying it because they were prepared. So the adversity is great because it reveals who wasn't ready. And so if I've been spending years preparing and getting no, no accolades for the preparation, the adversity now reveals who was ready. Same is true if the lights go out, right? I think we did this example. I do this example all the time. If the lights go out right now and I can't see anything, right? So let's say on my end, the lights go out and all of a sudden it's dark. Well, some people go, wow, the lights are out. Well, some people just pull out a flashlight and they have this flashlight that they can see and they go, you know what? Well, yeah, lights are out, but that's why we have flashlights. And I can see things that other people can't. One, if you're a recruiter and you know how to turn the light on, guess what? Everyone's going to pay attention to you. If you're somebody that's trying to capture attention, you're trying to, to tell people, here's what's going on and you're scared of the marketplace. And some people are saying, you know, I don't know what's going on, but some, there's a light, there's a sign of hope. I'm going that direction. So what do the light means? It's the preparation work. It's all the stuff of, of doing the, the, the stuff that nobody wanted to do when everybody was out there collecting money and trying to service as many clients as they could. There were some people working on technology, working on sale, on processes, mm -hmm. on, on things that were the flashlights for their people or for themselves to be prepared. Maybe they were saving money instead of spending it. So they can go, yeah, it's okay. Let's go out for a little bit. That's called, you know, people like, what's a bad time? No, 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 it's a normal time. That's a narrative shift, by the way. You say it's bad, I say it's normal. It was bad in comparison to where we were before, but where we were before was La La Land. It was great. Let's take the money, take as much as you can, but don't think that is reality. Yeah. And so if we come back to a normal reality where we actually have to go back and work, make the phone calls, present some sort of value proposition, people so people can make a decision. And you know, right now competition is based on choices between you or the next person. So who's how are you going to choose? Well, whoever communicates the most value and builds the most trust. How do we, how do we create that value prop? Because you've got a section of the book called the formula. Mm -hmm. How do we dive into that so that people listening say, got it. I understand where to start. So value proposition is a really interesting thing. And if, if I'm talking to a real estate market in this, or even if you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur and the value proposition, most, there aren't many, any patent monopolies out there anymore. There aren't many proprietary processes that exist. Now, in some companies there are. If you've got one, fantastic. That is a competitive, massive competitive advantage. Massive. But most don't have that. Most of us are competing in a somewhat commoditized environment where we have virtually the same interest rates. Real estate, you have the same houses. You, okay, you can charge a little less commission, but I don't think that's a value proposition. Is that, I can make the case that the lower the commission, the worse the service and the less better negotiation, the best and the lesser advice you're going to get. That's just law. You get what you pay for in life. Yep. You just, you can't have all three best quality service. You can't have the lowest price and, and, um, the highest quality product. You just can't have all three. You got to sacrifice one of them. If I want the highest quality and the best service, then I'm not going to get the lowest price. If I want the lowest price. I'm probably not going to get the highest quality. I mean, it's just how it works because there's a cost to it. Now, some people come in and disrupt things. Those are disruptors, Uber. And, you know, I think Mark Cuban is, uh, started his uh, disruptive pharmacy online, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. 
but I got to, it's, but it's, it's this, those examples are as useless as me quoting Tesla or Steve Jobs. There are one in billions of those. Yep. Let's go for the rest of us. How do we, we compete? And that's what, that's what we got to deal in, right? And so I think for when you're in a commoditized world, your value proposition is you. So what does that mean? Who are you? What do you believe in? And can I align with that? Meaning, can I trust you? If I can trust you, like product knowledge, price of entry, good service, price of entry. It's not unique anymore. Being able to, to understand how the process works, price of entry. But can, do I trust you? And are, do, you, do you have knowledge that's going to help me? And can you communicate the value better than someone else in a way that I trust? And the best way to do that is through someone's personal story. If they understand how they got to from where they are, where they are now, to where they started, to where they are now. And in that journey reveals all of our values, reveals what we believe about the world. And if I connect to that, then now we're into something together. So that's, that's the so first true. step. I like that, dude. That is so true. And I don't think that any business owner fully understands that. And I think that's also why you see a lot of them don't fully appreciate social media yeah. either because they don't see it as an opportunity. They see it as a distraction or something along those lines. So great point. I love that. So what, what would follow next? I've identified now me, I'm the one that's going to bring the difference to this value prop for my industry. What would I do next along those lines? So diving a little deeper into what does it mean who I am, right? And so yeah. what I tell people all the time is to do this. I ask you to take three to five words. And if you want, we can do it together. Do you want to do one live? Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to ask you, Tristan, what makes you unique? And just, just give me three to five words. Um, Start with you know, two to three. I love to lead with kindness. So I approach everything and how can I help you? Very similar to you okay. in that style. Uh, number two is... I'm family first when it comes to anything. So I'm always thinking of my family, your family. Um, how, can, how can this benefit all of us together in that sense? Okay. And then the last one I would say unique to me is, is I really love to empower people. I love to empower people by showing them the things that they may miss that they're talented in. And I like mm. to highlight that and help them. All right. I love that. So I heard one, you like to lead with kindness. Two, you said family first. And I heard kind of quotes around family, that your close friends are family, your community is family, your, even your customers are family. The people that are in community with you are family. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then you love to empower people, so empowerment. So now here's the cool part. You ready? Yeah, would you sure. say, would you say, I, and I always ask people, you know, I, I spent years trying to do values work, like what are your personal values? And people would always stress out. Oh, I don't know, I haven't done that work. And they'd stress out, they'd stress out, and they'd take them weeks of months to figure out what their personal values are. But then if I learned this question of asking this instead, what makes you unique? And watch this. Would you say that kindness, family, and empowerment are some of your personal values? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a back door to them. That it's, was easy. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> and they come like that. And so we so now here's the cool part. That was good. Which of those three, kindness, family, empowerment, speaks to your heart the most? Let's just choose one. Oh probably kindness. Kindness. Okay. So now here's the science. The science says that if those are your personal values, then they were formed between the ages of nine and 13. 
And so they're not something that you chose as an adult. And so if you want to understand your personal story, you got to ask yourself these questions first, identify what those values are or the uniqueness. Cause the, the reason why they're your values is because we love to, most humans will pursue their entire life to live out their values. And unique is one way to access them backdoor. What we live is what we value, right? And so then if we go, okay, let's fly backwards. If those were formed between the ages of nine to 13, I have two questions. Who was around and what happened? Around kindness. Now here's the cool part. There's usually one of two types of stories that comes out of this. What we call a lighthouse story, where somebody was a beacon of light of kindness. They were just the epitome of kindness. Or we had a foghorn story, where they were the opposite. Maybe they weren't kind, they were mean. And they were the warning of what you didn't want to be. Or maybe somebody that didn't show up, right? So who was around and are they a lighthouse or a foghorn? Interesting, man. Uh, I'd say probably a combination of two. And I had my my dad who was around and would, would play with me, just be there for me mm -hmm. all the time, which I loved. But at the same time, he also had a bad streak, which was, you know, he'd drink a lot. We'd have to go find him in bars, right? And so mm -hmm. it was a combination of both. I'm like, I know who I want to be like, but I also know what I don't want don't to want be to like. Because like. I know what yeah. it makes us suffer as a family, right? So, And if you can identify the lighthouse and the foghorn in one person, that's valuable. Because I told my kids this. I said, there's lighthouse parts of me and foghorns of me. You got to identify yeah. the lighthouses you want to be like, and you got to run from the foghorn of behaviors that I've had in my life. Yeah. And, and you got to give your kids permission to do that. In fact, implore them that they need to do that. And, and that's how they become themselves. I don't want to be this part of you. And they don't have to hate you for it too. It's healing where they can, you can both say, Hey, you know what? I don't like that part of myself either. And I'm so glad that you recognize that son or daughter or whoever, so that you don't have to be that. I was that, so you don't. <laughs> I went down that path. It doesn't work that well. So no need to go there. And it's okay that you don't like that part of me. And I can apologize, but I can't fix it. But then when we go back and we say, okay, well, give me an example. I want one story. One story about how um, your dad was a lighthouse of kindness. I remember, and you just said, I remember yeah. this one time is the Jeez. entry ramp. I remember, I'll just do, I'll just go with that. I remember this one time. Um, he's like, I see that you, you like playing baseball. You want to just play baseball every afternoon when you come back from school? I'm like, yeah. So we literally started playing baseball every day for probably three years straight. And I got so great at it that I made the varsity team. And it was all because of my dad. They were like, how did you get so good? And you sucked at it. I'm like, oh, it's my dad, practice. So that I, awesome. I always remember that part. So he, he, he noticed something that you loved and he created a space for you to do that more. You got it. So watch, I'm going to do a very simple version of how this works. Right. And remember, we just took one value, one very quick story. And this is how you create the value proposition. Somebody says, what do you do? And instead of saying, hi, my name is Tristan. I run this you know, Facebook group called Lab Coats. And I also run the host of podcast for Success Magazine. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Or you go, I remember as a kid, my father was one of the most influential people in my life. And there's one day he came to me and he said, hey, Tristan, you, you seem to really like baseball. And I smile. Of course, baseball is my favorite. And he said, well, how about we play baseball? every afternoon 
And sure enough, my father showed up every afternoon and he and I played catch, swung bat, played baseball for three years straight. He took what I loved the most and he gave us space for it. And I remember the, the value and the empowerment that I felt during that time. He gave me a space to feel powerful. It made me feel closer to him because there were some parts of my father that were difficult. He was an alcoholic and he wasn't there for certain things, but even though he had those difficult pieces, he was there for those moments that really mattered to me. And so the feeling of empowerment that he gave me, but also the time and the kindness that he had to listen to what my needs were made all the difference. And so I knew that no matter what I was wanted to do in the world, I wanted to make people feel like the way my father made me feel. And I remember one of these days I had this itch and crazy idea. I'm going to start a Facebook group to create a space for people in an industry that need some guidance and need a place to throw the ball every day around issues, throw the ball every day around the challenges that they face in real estate because it's a unique business where we could face the realities, the ups and the downs with no judgment so we could create that support group just like I needed during that time and we could empower each other and in essence become a family through this world. And so I created Lab Code Agents. <laughs> Shit, dude, you said it better than I did. That's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? That was awesome, bro. And you could translate that same piece into, you know, right now you say, well, so, you know, and now I get to, I get a chance to create a space for an hour at a time with people in the Success Magazine podcast where I get a chance to really give people a space to talk about what they love to do. And my goal for that is to empower them to share their biggest knowledge. And then I can take it back to my family, my community and empower them as well. See how it just constantly feeds on itself. That's it. So and and it's there because it already exists. And this is the piece I try to tell people. Stop trying to create something that already exists. Go back and uncover why. And this isn't the why question like, you know, Simon Sinek. I'm not saying that. And that's a great sequence. Just people have a hard time implementing that. This is about uncovering what already exists. There's a certain motivation that you have to do what you do. And if you can put words to it and then draw the connection of where I started to what I do now, once those two connect, you feel the magic word of purpose. Yeah, I see that. That was that was a really great exercise. That was awesome. So now, going from this formula, which is amazing, by the way, everyone pick up the damn book, go order it right now. <laughs> and we go into skills, right? Now we talk about body language. We talk about storytelling, which you just did, by the way but we need to do better. How do we practice these skills? How do we get more involved to connect with ourselves like that? Well, what I tell people is the best speakers are the best storytellers. And so the best storytellers are also the most reflective on their own life. And they're also very present and mindful. What I mean by that, and I'm not saying this isn't a mindfulness uh, exercise, is paying attention to all the things that happen. When you show up late, you're walking up the stairs and you trip, that's a potential event that you could share a lesson from. Yeah, uh, you, you show you you know the you you stumble across and um, you drop you spill your drink in the car. There's another lesson. Your kid comes up and says something to you and you respond and however that works, that's another lesson. The, the, the everything there's lessons everywhere. We call them frames. So a frame is a, is another form of con another construct of reality. And so so for example, if I were to say the word used car salesman to you. Mm. What word comes to mind? Sleazy. Sleazy. So always yeah. what it is. If I ask a hundred people, they're all going to say that. Every once in a while, somebody's like, well, my father was, so he was amazing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so 
All I said was, and this is kind of how it works, is I said a word, and the way that you construct the reality around that word, used car salesman, this is how we construct reality, is you had to go to your past, and you chose a frame of reference based on your experience to construct used car salesman. And if your frame of reference was something negative, you, you say the word sleazy, right? So another word, what comes to word when you say, when I say loan officer? Friend. Friend, okay. When I say real estate agent? Me. Me. So if I were to ask the market, what would they say? Loan officer, put a market hat on. The market? Or the consumer or the market? Consumer, yeah, the market. The consumer is uh, the general the consumer. market. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe thief, maybe. Thief, okay, <laughs> yep, yep. It's not usually positive. And real yep. estate agent, what would they say? Used car salesman. Used car salesman. That's yeah, and so it kind of works for both. And so what we have to do is we have to deal in the reality that when we say our profession, we're triggering frames of reference that we're not in control of. And hence the sequence starts coming in. If I speak without frame... I force my listener to construct the reality based on their frame of reference, which I have no control over and no insight into. Now, I can make some guesses as to what the market thinks of these things, but I think it's too much of a risk. It's way too much of a risk. So the sequence we teach is frame first. Yeah. So my grandfather was in Cuba and saw the Cuban Revolution was about to take place, and he said, I gotta get my family out of here. So he has this idea, he writes a letter to the President of the United States at the time, and says, if you can get me and my family out of this country, I'll come in and fight for yours. And somehow that letter made it to the right person, they pulled my family out, my mother, my, my aunt, and my, my grandmother, and my grandfather, out of Cuba. And he went and served in the American Armed Forces for eight years. After his time, he landed at Patrick Air Force Base in Homestead, Florida, his American dream. And quickly he realized that his American dream was limited to how far he could walk because there was no employment in Homestead. But there was somebody who believed in my grandfather and got him into an older vehicle. And that older vehicle allowed him to extend his reach by 25, 50, even sometimes 100 miles to find better paying jobs, changing the trajectory of his life, my mother's life, and ultimately my life. And that person who believed in my grandfather was a used car salesman. So now... If you notice, your brain didn't need to go back and access any of your past references because I gave one already to you. And if you believed the story and I told it well, you accepted the frame. And so that constructed a different reality of this person who was a used car salesman who before was a sleazebag. Because mm -hmm. there's no way that after that story you'd say, wow, what a sleazebag. You'd say, wow, that was really cool that he helped him out. And so there, that's one simple, quick example of the importance of sequencing in how we tell, and that's the skill, by the way, of being able to say, okay, there's three P's that we live by. And I tell people, if you're listening to this, write the three P's down. If you can predict a certain behavior or response, mm -hmm. you should do something to preempt it in order to prevent it. <clears throat> and so if I can predict that people are gonna have a negative frame based on my profession, mm -hmm. I should probably preempt that through a story, like what I just told about my grandfather. Mm -hmm. or my personal story, or the one about why, you know, lead with kindness. Facebook, I run a Facebook group. Oh, great. So does everyone else. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, so yeah, what? But the story behind it now, and then now you end with, you know, how many members are in, in LabCoat right now? 153,000. Yeah. And so that, that vision has turned into 153,000 family members in our, in, our, in our little group. And it's like, wow. Okay, that's called ethos, which you read about. It's credibility. Yes, that's right. Right? And so now, but it's, it's the sequence of which to deliver it. It's there. Now, if I'm making a product pitch for an investment, 
you start with that ethos. You say, hi, my name is Tristan. I run the largest Facebook group of real estate agents in the world, 153,000 members, and we're looking to X, right? You might give another couple points because they don't have time for the story. Yeah. That's a different audience. But in day-to-day life, we need to understand the construct and we need to understand the frame. And so we frame things first through our personal story. And that's when we learn how to do that, we learn this concept called signature stories, right? There's an origin story or the personal story, which we did. That's the origin of who Tristan is. But signature stories are things that happen to you every day that are as unique to you as your own signature. Uh, you know, one time I was playing basketball in high school and trying to show off for, you know, some people that were watching and I went up and tried to jump this fence and there was a vine growing on the chain link fence and my hit, well, as soon as my foot hit that and, you know, the vine between the metal there was slippery so I slipped and landed on my hip with my legs going over my head. I looked like an absolute fool, right? And so there's a signature story yeah. that I could share. But the question is, is why am I sharing that story? And this is the third step in this, is what we call a tie down. And the tie down is the most important part of storytelling and, and influence. It's where the value is created. It's where we start to actually explain what this means to you is. Here's the value to you. Because we all know people that like to tell stories. Because say, well, storytelling is the key. So no, it's not. Story is, storytelling is a means by which. Because I know some people, they're like, oh, well, they sure like to talk. They like to tell stories. Yeah. Why is, do we say that about some people? And we're like, man, they're an amazing storyteller. Why do we love one and hate the other? There's only one difference. The one that we love has a message and a moral and a value at the end for me. It teaches me something, it gives me something. The one that we hate is the one that just talks for the sake of talking. And there's no punchline, there's no lesson, there's no moral, there's no like, wow, I never thought about it like that before. There's no life-changing information. And so what we always say is, is use a story to deliver a message of value use a story. Don't use my time to tell me a story. You oh, need to add... It's like a Disney the, movie. Right? Like a classic Disney movie. How's that? Always a lesson. Always a lesson. I love it. Always that. a moral. It's always there. But every movie is, is that way. Like why? The story is to deliver something to me. And, you know, comedy is the time that you say, so you, you know, you're going to use my time to make me laugh as much as possible. And some of the genius comics will incorporate some lessons. And those ones that were like, wow, like Dave Chappelle uses humor to deliver massively important messages and get us to think. That's why we adore him. And because he can penetrate any level of thinking through humor and, and just break down all barriers and his intellect behind that and the messages behind it are just so powerful. But he doesn't start with the message. He starts with the frame and his opener, which is humor, which is a great opening frame. It, 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 it uh, lowers our defenses. And we, we open ourselves up to listening to what's going on. That's the sequence. We gotta get people to open up and capture attention first. Mm -hmm. So the tie down answers the question of what this means to you is. And so if I can, you know, there's one, one final, sort of not final, but another story that kind of illustrates all three. I was interviewing, I was, I was asked to help a, an executive interview for a CEO position. Mm -hmm. president position within a very large organization. And she came in, she was powerful. I mean, she was brilliant, PhD and an MBA. She knew her stuff, 25 years experience, dressed well, charismatic, articulate, everything. And the interview was a nine hour interview and they wanted me to help her. So we set up with a mock interview panel and asked her the first question. 
I sit off to the side. I look at facial expressions, body language, sequencing, timing, micro expressions. I just look at all the things, the crazy things that I see. Mm-hmm. And we said, "What's tell us something you're proud of. And she hitched her coat and very presidential said, I got straight A's my last year in school. Short, sweet, and to the point. Just like all of us have been taught to answer. Interesting. What was missing was there was no frame. And what happens when there's no frame? The audience is forced to create one, which is where the risk is. So, Renee, what'd you think of it? And I said, well, I said, so there was no frame. So I started framing her. And I said, so you said you got straight A's your last year in school? So you're a procrastinator? You're going to procrastinate for us as well? See, I connect, I can connect, connecting dots is, is tying it down. She looks at me like I'm crazy. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Did mommy and daddy pay for school so you didn't have to work that hard? And now she's literally has a tear in her eye. Yeah. I said, Janice, I said, I didn't mean any of those things, but it did illustrate the fact that you didn't give us a frame. So I have no idea how to interpret straight A's your last year in school. Yeah. But I do know it was important to you, wasn't it? And she just nodded her head. I said, why? She looks at me, takes her a minute and a half to compose herself, and she says, when you've been told you're stupid your entire life by adults, you tend to believe them. And something happened my last year in school where I looked myself in the mirror and I said, either I'm going to believe them forever or I'm going to do something about it. And damn it, I did something about it. Completely different story now. Dude, more right? powerful. More powerful. But, but here's the thing. It's not influential yet. It moves you. Mm-hmm. But what do I do with this emotion? Wow, that's powerful. But what do I do with this big gun that I have? It's like somebody showing you this really big gun that you could blow anything you want, but, but you don't shoot it. And let's say you didn't have a target. What purpose is a big gun with no target? Yeah. Watch what happens when you add the tie down. The tie down answers the question of what this means to you is and should be driven what we, by what we call an I.O., an influence objective. So her influence objective and anyone getting a job in an interview is to get the job. So her I.O. should be answering why this matters to you in terms of me being the person you should hire. So she tells that story. I said, this is the new sequence. Instead of saying, tell us something you're proud of, you start off with, I got straight A's my last year in school, so we don't know what frames people are choosing to interpret that. You tell it this way. So, so tell us something you're proud of. You know, unfortunately growing up, I was surrounded by a lot of adults that told me I wasn't real smart. And when adults speak to you that way, you tend to act that way. <clears throat> and I didn't do real, real well in school. But something happened my last year in school where I looked myself in the mirror and I said, either I'm going to believe them forever or I'm going to do something about it. And I, so I went out and got the help that I needed, put my nose to the grindstone, and I'm proud to tell you that I got straight A's my last year in school. And Tristan, the reason I'm sharing that with you is, is because I'm assuming if I do get a chance to work with you and your team, that there's going to be times where our backs are going to be against the wall. We're going to be facing seemingly insurmountable challenges in the marketplace. But I promise you this, if I do get a chance to be on your team, I will be out there next to you, if not out in front, overcoming those challenges in the same way I overcame them in my own personal life, except for this time for you and for your team. Frame, message, tie down. That last part is what creates the influence. That's true. It's what makes you want to act. It's It's so true. And you know what? Dude, you should probably write a book on how to how to speak to an audience because that was just using that. Okay, that was amazing. That's great. I think there's there's as I'm listening to you, and I didn't think about this when I was reading the book. It's interesting how even when we're thinking about ourselves, and this is me talking to you, it's almost like our thoughts are incomplete as to how we how we process who we are because mm. we we're leaving parts of it out so it doesn't fully allow us to learn the lessons from every 
possible narrative that we have or that we live. Yes. That's the self-reflective journey. I love that. That's um, that's pretty powerful. And it's, I, I took, I put a note here. <clears throat> this is, these are, this is my thought from your words. Okay. So this is not original. This is yours. No, but this uh, is the innovative conversation where we're, where what I love about it is that those are my thoughts, but the, in the mind of somebody like you, you take it to another level and make me think deeper, force me to get even more clear. I'm like, oh, what well, is that what I mean? And that's the beauty of collaboration is you share the idea with other brilliant minds and all of a sudden it, it makes the idea better and it's more innovative. And then I go, oh man, and I take it down another new avenue and you, you nudge me this way, I nudge you that way. All of a sudden we're, we're carving a new direction and that's the fun part. That is the fun part, dude. I agree. That's why I love these, man. I love bringing in guests like you who are brilliant. So you said, or something along these lines that made me think, like, without the frame, people will think with their preconceived narratives. And if we just put that at the very beginning of any talk, any meeting, it really reminds us of how powerful frames are, right? Absolutely. It, it's, it is what constructs reality, what determines how we are interpreted. It, it is what, it, it's everything. If we can really honestly figure out how to put that first, and there's a whole skill set. I mean, jokes are, are, are frames, stories are frames, our personal stories are frames, props are frames. Like, did you notice I used a prop before? Like, there's Dude, a prop frame, the right? You the turn flashlight. Off the lights, flashlight. Yeah. And I have my studio designed just for that little, little example. But props, especially in Zoom, by the way, if you can bring the, the, the Zoom screen alive with a prop of some sort, it changes the game because we're so used to seeing a, a talking head that we can disassociate from it. But bring a prop on screen, you know, and it's simple. And it doesn't have to be complex. You reach around, grab anything you want. And that's one of the skills is we tell people, so, you know, reach around and grab anything on your desk. You're like, I'll, so the best, I'll give you an example of the game, right? You wanna play the frame game? Yeah, this is the do. skill set. So I want you, you're gonna create a talk for me, okay? And so I want you to grab any prop within reach of you right there, anything. All right, let's talk about this. What is which that? Is a, let me let me focus. AirPod case. AirPod case. Yeah. AirPod case. Perfect. So I have to I have to use an AirPod case as my frame. Okay. Sure. And then I want you to give me a current event as the message I'm trying to talk about. So any current event or recent event. Um, inflation. Inflation. Okay. So I got to go AirPod to inflation. All right. So now I want you to give me a lesson, a tie down. Like any, it could be anything you want. It could be. I've had I've had people tell me why I should brush my teeth. I had one person tell me why I should <laughs> why why should dogs express their anal glands. I mean, I've had anything. Try to why why you should read read why more. you, should, why you read. should read more. why you should read more. Okay, so I've got AirPods. We're going to talk about inflation, and we're going to talk about why we should read more. Okay, you know it's interesting when I look at uh, how we consume information. One of my favorite things to do is to put my AirPods in and throw on podcasts and to listen to what people's opinions and thoughts are in the market. And w the more and more that I realize that all of us have access to being that source of information, the more judicious I've got to be in who I listen to and allow into my brain. And so you look at right now some big topics out there from the war in, uh, in, in Ukraine to, uh, to housing shortage, to interest rates, to even inflation, 
right now and how that's going to affect. And I can listen to one person tell me that, you know, I think it was some people out there saying, well, you think gas prices are high, wait till you start seeing 10% interest rates. And, and another, you know, all clickbait. And another person talking about how, in, you know, inflation is going to do X, Y, and Z and why we should buy or why we shouldn't. And some people are saying this is the best time, the worst time. And through that, those AirPods, you're able to feed yourself any sort of narrative information that you want. But there's something interesting when you start going beyond just what people say. When someone's forced to write about what they believe, writing forces a different thought process. I can think out loud and create a podcast, but if I want to write about it, I have to think it through and realize that I'm putting something down that's going to be tested. And if it's not accurate, if it's not accurate, people can easily go against it. Written word tends to be a lot more accurate in a lot of things, but it's also scary because we perceive it to be more accurate. So one of the things that I believe is that we all need to start reading as well as listening to things and start finding the truths within all that and then choosing the narrative that best suits our business. Not ignoring the reality, but what's the best thing that suits our business and our family? So it's AirPods, inflation, why we should read. <laughs> That's good, dude. You I almost forget that, that it's, that it's a, a, a game, right? It is. And so when you, it's so good. Yeah, and the practice, the more you start realizing, and if you can do that, we do that in our Amplify course where, where I give them three random things and they have to turn it into a story. And at first they're petrified because they watch me do that thinking I just jumped from the free throw line and did a 360. And then four minutes later, they're doing the same thing. And when you realize the confidence that frames are everywhere, that you can literally look around and you can incorporate something that's a, la that's a, a tool in learning and a tool in communication, it, the, the creativity is endless. I love that, man. All right, Renee, where do we go find more of you and where do we follow you? My my website's meetrene.com, M-E-E-T, Renee, R-E-N-E.com. And then uh, my Instagram is Speak S-E-E, Renee, R-E-N-E, speak.com. Those are probably the two best. But on my uh, website, you can find our book, you can find our programs, you can find our, our podcast, which is free, and lots of information on the podcast that follows the book. I love that, dude. I'm taking a look at your podcast page. I love it, man. I'm going to listen to a few of these while I'm working out. So I thanks for being on, Randy. This was, uh, I took a whole bunch of notes, man. So oh, that's awesome, man. I love it. So that was super great, great stuff. Really, I'm going to reflect on this and probably reuse it on social and be like, hey, Renee says, so I'll probably tag Please. you on a few things. Take, take, take it and run, man. I think the, the more that we can share this information, the better. I think it's going to be, it's an abundant world, man. Very, very few unique ideas out there. Well, this was really well, well put together. So congrats on that, man. Thank you, man. I Thanks really appreciate on. it. I appreciate it, man. This was fun. Anytime. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.